Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. It is Monday, January 30th, and this is People Every Day. Happy Monday, listeners, and what a weekend. I am still recovering from screaming at the television yesterday, but unfortunately, it's official. My 49ers lost to the Philadelphia Eagles, who will be facing the Kansas City Chiefs a week from Sunday in Super Bowl 57, blah, blah, blah. I'm only rooting for Team Rihanna now. Now, more importantly, Harry Styles has confirmed that he will be facing the world as he performs live at the 2023 Grammy Awards. But enough about this weekend, because I am so excited for today's show. We have an interview with Drew Barrymore and Savannah Guthrie queued up for you. They'll be talking all about their new Netflix Kids animated series, Princess Power, based on Guthrie's book, Princesses Wear Pants. But before that, we'll be dishing all about the Oscars controversy sparked by Andrea Riseborough's surprise nomination. There's so much to talk about, so let's jump right in, starting with what's been buzzing around your timeline. This weekend, Good Morning America hosts Amy Robach and TJ Holmes agreed to move on from ABC News two months after their relationship went public. Though ABC has not yet announced who will be replacing the pair on the beloved morning show, they did release a statement saying they recognize Robach and Holmes's talent and commitment over the years and are thankful for their contributions. As a reminder, the controversy over Robach and Holmes's relationship started on November 30th after photos surfaced of them holding hands in a car during a vacation in upstate New York. The problem, both hosts were married to other people. Of course, we never know what goes on in celebrity relationships, but many GMA fans were upset by what they saw as marital infidelity. Despite the negative comments, Robach and Holmes are both said to be moving forward with their divorces from their respective spouses. And sources say that their relationship is stronger than ever. And speaking of relationships, by now we all know that J-Lo tied the knot with Ben Affleck last year, and now her ex, Mark Anthony, has a new bride, model Nadia Ferreira. At 54, Mark Anthony said I do to 23-year-old Ferreira over the weekend. Now, as expected, at the marriage between a supermodel and a three-time Grammy winner, there were some celebrity guests in attendance, including Lin-Manuel Miranda, Salma Hayek, and the Beckhams. But notably missing were Anthony's ex-wife Jennifer Lopez and twin children that the couple share. So where was J-Lo during her ex-husband's nuptials? According to her Instagram, the Let's Get Loud singer was dining with Oprah Winfrey and Kim Kardashian in Beverly Hills, while her ex was entering his fourth marriage in Miami, proving that while she may still be Jenny from the block. She isn't worried about anyone stealing her thunder. And while the weekend was full of marital bliss for some, for others, it was slightly more somber. Lisa Loring, who is best known as the original Wednesday Addams from the television show The Addams Family, died of a stroke this past weekend at 64 years old. The character of Wednesday Addams has experienced a revival as of late with the hit Netflix series Wednesday, where the titular character is played by Jenna Ortega. But it was Loring's deadpan portrayal of the little girl who is obsessed with the macabre that defined the character in the first place. 
Ortega herself has called Loring an icon, stating that her version of the pop culture figure was inspired by the original. Loring went peacefully with both of her daughters holding her hands. So while no one would argue that Ortega's Loring-inspired Wednesday Adams made her every bit deserving of her Golden Globe nod earlier this year, one awards show nomination is causing a lot more controversy. Let's get into it. When the 2023 Oscar nominations were announced on January 24th, there was a collective gasp when Andrea Riseborough's name was called among the Best Actress contenders. Andrea stars in the film To Leslie, a movie and a performance that wasn't nominated for any precursor awards, really, and wasn't predicted to make an appearance at the Oscars. And yet, thanks to an incredible grassroots social media campaign from some Hollywood heavyweights, here we are. Andrea is in, and actors like Viola Davis and Danielle Deadweiler who were predicted to get nominations are out. And now the Academy is conducting a review of Oscar campaign rules, quote, around this year's nominees. Joining me now to dive deep into this is Entertainment Weekly Awards correspondent Dave Carger. Hey, Dave, welcome back to the show. Thanks so much, Janine. Good to see you. So, Dave, I'm excited to have you back on because when the nominations came out, you kind of had a premonition about this debacle going down. Let's listen to what you said. First of all, it's a phenomenal performance, really great. But because Andrea is so well-connected, she was able, or I should say her team, was able to get a lot of A-listers like Edward Norton, Jane Fonda, Sarah Paulson, Kate Winslet, Amy Adams, to support this because they had no money to spend on ads or DVD screeners or anything like that. Mm. They just got these A-listers to tweet about it. Look at that. You just knew it was coming. So how did this campaign, as you called it, kick off? Well, the movie To Leslie came out after premiering at South by Southwest and getting good reviews, but it was released by this tiny company called Momentum Pictures that didn't have the muscle or the budget to really give it a big release or a big awards campaign. The movie only made about $27,000 at the box office, a tiny, tiny amount, but it got great reviews when it premiered. And I think what happened was the director of the film, he's married to an actress named Mary McCormack, who people would know. She was in a lot of movies, notably the Howard Stern film, private parts. So I think because they've remained friends, Michael, the director, and Mary, his wife, started talking to Howard Stern about it. Howard Stern watched the movie at their urging, loved it because it's a terrific movie and Andrea Riseborough is wonderful in it. So I think what happened was once Andrea wasn't getting nominated for any of the big precursors, like you mentioned, Golden Globe, Critics' Choice, Screen Actors Guild, I think Mary McCormack and also Andrea Riseborough's team notably her manager, Jason Weinberg, who is also Mary McCormack's manager. They kind of devised this plan, which was to target the actor's branch of the Academy, which is to say the 1,000 or so members of the Academy who are in the actor's branch. And they said, let's try to target as many of those as we possibly can and get this performance seen. And it became this phenomenon. The unfortunate part, of course, which we could talk about, is that it meant that people like Danielle Deadweiler and Viola Davis, who were really considered to be in there, did not get nominated. Interesting. So this isn't the typical way actors normally campaign for awards, but I'm wondering, how does it usually work? And is this so far left of that? Well, for something like the HFPA, which is the Golden Globes voting body, up until a few years ago, they used to only have 90 people in their group. So it was very easy to wine and dine them. And before there was a crackdown on the Golden Globe voters, there were companies that would 
send them on trips or send them gifts. With the academy, which was for many years five or 6,000 people, now it's 10,000, it's harder to do it that way, right? So historically, the way that these campaigns were run where you would premiere your film at a film festival and then you would spend money. You would have a lot of money to spend on ads in the newspapers and the trade publications and the websites and billboards. And then you would also, if you're Viola Davis, and I saw her out, she was doing a ton of events helping to promote The Woman King Events targeted to awards voters. She was doing a lot of Q&A, same with Danielle Deadweiler. She was going to different cocktail parties, different screenings, different events, different panels, talking up the film. And what was different here, they spent the $20,000 that they needed to spend to get the movie uploaded to the Academy Voters web portal so they could actually watch the movie. That was the big spend that they did. So that's what's so fascinating about this because (laughs) it was done on social media. And I think that's what's causing the... Academy now to take a second look at this. I don't think Andrea Riseborough is not going to get her nomination taken away. She didn't do anything wrong. But I think what happened is some of the aggressive tactics here by her supporters just might have kind of danced on that line of being a little bit too much, which is to say, let me get a little specific here with you for a second. In the Academy rules, it says you can't mention any of the other contenders when you're talking up your own performance or an ad or any materials, if you're Andrea Riseborough's team or supporters, you're not really supposed to talk about anyone else. And if you look at some of the Instagram posts that some of her supporters made, they say things like, hey, vote for Andrea number one. Kate Blanchett's probably going to get in. Viola Davis is probably going to get in. Danielle Deadwile is probably going to get in, but we need to vote for Andrea. And I think things like that, that's mm. where it was a bit of a no-no. So I'm, so if there's any kind of repercussions, it's going to be on the people who were making claims like that. Now, people talk like that all the time. Academy members talk to each other and say, oh, we got to yeah. vote for this person, number one. But because it was in writing in a public forum on yep. an Instagram post, that's where the problem is. But since Andrea could be taking home the gold on March 12th and, and actors like Danielle Deadweiler and Viola Davis were snubbed, does this go beyond that in your opinion? I think that aspect of it that these two actresses who happened to be Black did not get nominated when Andrea Riseborough did. I personally feel like that's an unfortunate byproduct of what has happened here. I don't see anything nefarious in it. I'm not saying anyone else really does, but there have been, there's been a tinge of that to some of the discussion yeah. that I've been reading online. It was just an embarrassment of riches in the best actress race this year. And that's just the way it yeah. happened, where these two very deserving performances, amongst others, just barely didn't get the votes. It also kind of speaks to that history of Hollywood to not be able to maybe have those connections like a Danielle Deadweiler or even maybe a Viola Davis, you know, to be able to pick up the phone and have a so-and-so A-lister host a party. You bring up a great point, especially when it comes to Danielle Deadweiler, who, by the way, worked overtime. She really worked hard and she delivered a wonderful performance. In my opinion, it should have been Kate Blanchett, Michelle Yeoh, Danielle Deadweiler, Andrea Riseborough, and then I don't even care who the fifth would have been. Michelle Williams, fine. But those four to me, because I've seen, now that I've since I've seen all the performances, those four should have been in there. And I I'm really most disappointed for Danielle and for all of us because she wasn't nominated. 
For sure. And again, you guys, go see Till, starring Danielle Deadweiler, and The Woman King, starring Viola Davis, if you haven't already. And also, check out Andrea Riseborough in her film, To Leslie, because, like Dave said, just amazing performances. Dave, we will be keeping an eye on this story for sure. It is so good to have you on. You are such an expert in all of this. Appreciate you. My pleasure. Coming up, we are joined by today's Savannah Guthrie and talk show host Drew Barrymore, who will be discussing their new Netflix series, Princess Power, a children's show that's all about female empowerment and based on Guthrie's book, Princesses Wear Pants. But first, it's deja vu all over again as Jennifer Aniston and Adam Sandler team up for Murder Mystery 2, the sequel to their hit Netflix film called, you guessed it, Murder Mystery. (laughs) The trailer just dropped and it looks hysterical, so we'll have all that and more for you in just a few minutes. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let Mom's Green Thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give Mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at The Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. So I don't know about you, but I've always wanted to go to Paris with Jennifer Aniston and Adam Sandler. (laughs) Well, now I can. And so can you by watching the upcoming Netflix film, Murder Mystery 2, a sequel to the record-breaking 2019 comedy. You must be the Spitzers. Yes. Your reputation precedes you. There you go. Not in a positive way, I'm afraid. Once again, the comedy power duo will be portraying married couple Nick and Audrey Spitz. After the events of the first film, the pair are trying to start a husband and wife PI agency. But their lives are derailed yet again when they attend a wedding on a private island and the groom is kidnapped for ransom. The Maharaja's been kidnapped. And all of you are suspects. We're not going to be invited anywhere ever again. The search for the kidnapper leads Nick and Audrey to Paris, where hijinks and hilarity ensue. Honey, do you remember what happened last time we were on a getaway? Yeah, some people died. Not so, a lot, lot of people. You'd think five people dying's a lot. Okay. So funny. And I love the first film, so I will definitely be watching this sequel as soon as it drops on March 31st. That is right. Princesses wear pants. That was a clip from Princess Power, a new animated series on Netflix, executive produced by today's Savannah Guthrie and actress slash syndicated talk show host Drew Barrymore. In the series, girls take the lead in a quest to save those in need and learn how teamwork makes the dream work. Well, I am excited because Savannah Guthrie and Drew Barrymore are here with me now to discuss what it was like working together on Princess Power and why messages about girls' empowerment are essential. Hey, Savannah. Hey, Drew. Congratulations on your new Netflix animated series, Princess Power, which is all about female empowerment. So, Savannah, this is an offshoot from your and Alison Oppenheim's New York Times bestselling children's book, Princesses Wear Pants. That dropped in 2017, right? But since then, you and Drew had been in talks about making it into a show. And I don't know if most folks know, but you two are besties in real life. So how did the dogged journalist and beloved actress come to be? And what was it like collaborating on this series together as executive producers. It was love at first sight. I interviewed Drew for the Today Show. I think it was around your memoir. And we just clicked. It's like we knew 
that we understood each other. We're from such different backgrounds, but we have so much in common, like at the core, yeah. in this deep level. And we just stayed friends. And we, I always say like Drew is, she's amazing because she cultivates her friendships. You know, we worked at it. We treasure each other. And true. I was so glad to hear you say like New York Times bestselling. I mean, that doesn't happen. You know, it's a miracle when it does, but the miracle means that there's an appetite for it. And your first book came out and was a number one New York Times bestseller. And then we started talking about it to make it into a show. And then the second one came out and was the same. And that is such an exciting aspect to know that these thoughts and feelings and desires are validated in that way where other people really want in on this. And I thought for me, the takeaway was Princess Wears Pants just was a green light and license that girls can do things. And I just thought Savannah and Allie nailed the tone. And then here we are with a Netflix show. We were trying to inhabit this middle space because for a while, there was definitely like a princess backlash. You know, people were kind of over all that frou-frou stuff. And I get it. I mean, it's a lot. But we were trying to say, look, our girls love this. And we don't want to tell them you can't love glitter. You can't love sparkle. You can't love fashion. And we want to say you can, but look a little deeper. Go under the surface. Go under the ruffles. These are girls of substance. And actually, they're wearing pants under their skirts because why? They're going to do some cartwheels and some gymnastics (laughs) and save the world. And so we were trying to to occupy this middle space. And Drew, who's my friend, said we could make a show together. And I mean, at first I was like, you know, you don't have to say that just to be nice. Like you don't. And she's like, no, I want to, this is a show. We could do this. And so it's also emblematic of, I think what the show is trying to put out there that Mm -hmm. women can work together in tandem and do really powerful, exciting things. It's all about cooperation. Nobody does anything alone. And the books are about working together, lifting each other up. You're stronger together. And that was how I grew up was gravitating towards people and realizing that nothing really came about until I started doing it with others. And this Mm. collective momentum is what made it happen. And also, you know, girlfriends, there's just nothing better. There's nothing better. (laughs) There's no stronger force in the universe than girlfriend's power. Get through everything in life because of your girlfriends. Well, I want to ask about you guys' kids. I know that uh, parenting can be a huge challenge while working and doing all having these high-powered careers. You both have talked about it. What has your kids' response been to all of this? And are we at the stage where, I mean, at least some of them know you're famous, right? Gosh, it's that's such a funny question. I don't know what my kids think. I feel like they think it's weird that sometimes people say hi or want to take a picture, but they're really not all that interested. And that is not a word we embrace, like famous. Like, I don't even know what that means. If they say it, a friend at school said you're famous. I say, well, what do you think that word means? What does that mean? Mm. See, I That's part of what our connection is also like, is not having a distorted sense of self. I think Mm. Vanna and I are both people who probably don't even relate to that word. And it's funny because it's been like a ringer for me when I've heard people talk about their fame. I'm like, oh, I might not relate to you exactly because Mm. 
I don't think there's anything to this job except for there is an aspect of it that does make you connect with people or familiar to them. Yeah. And that just sort of brings on a dynamic where you have interactions with people. Mm. And I'll sort of skirt that mentality. Yeah. And I think all my friends, even anyone who might be in a certain seemingly spotlight, none of them think that way. But they're not insecure or doubting. They're strong and capable. Yeah. They have a really healthy sense of self. I think it's just where you put the emphasis too. There's just much more important things to do and to talk about. My daughter, Olive, her nickname is Bear. And I say, get that salmon, Bear. You get that salmon. (laughs) And he is mousy. And I go, you get that cheese, mousy. You get that cheese. Like I'm so encouraging and empowering to them, but we don't buy in to what's not real. It's not the end goal at all. My daughter actually loves, she wants to be an actress. She's eight. But I always say, honey, talent plus hard work can't be beat. The talent alone isn't good enough. Hard work is really good. But you, if you have both, you can't be beat. Just keep at it. I think you're so talented. I think you're amazing. Bring the hard work. Sometimes when we talk about how we've been given this gift and opportunity to like make a show yeah. for parents out there and young kids, I'm glad to know that that is the intention behind this show is... Mm belief, but total humility and can-do-ness. Back it up with the (laughs) You said princesses are girls in leadership roles. And it's like, that's not associated enough. Mm -mm. It's not. Powerful grouping of words that always makes me think differently than sometimes the word princess will make me think. Yeah. Well, you two are princesses, queens and pants. I'm so excited for this show. <laughs> Thank you so much for being on and telling us all about it. And guys, don't forget to watch Princess Power on Netflix. Thanks so much, you guys. Thank, Thank you, Janine. All right. So you've all heard of Mr. Beast, right? If you haven't, he's a famous YouTuber who has done all sorts of crazy and often expensive stunts from recreating Squid Games with a cash prize of $456,000 and without the violence, of course, to creating a free bank where he gave out free money. And I'm sure we all wish we had been there for that. All in all, he has given out over $1 million through these stunts, earning him the title of YouTube's biggest philanthropist. But his most recent stunt is the most deserving of that title yet. Because Mr. Beast's latest stunt is paying for cataract removal surgery for over 1,000 people who can't afford it. The YouTuber, whose real name is Jimmy Donaldson, teamed up with Jeff Levinson, an ophthalmologist and surgeon. Levinson admits that he isn't the biggest YouTube watcher himself, but was in awe of Donaldson's generosity. As a recipient of cataract surgery himself, Dr. Levinson knows firsthand the life-changing effects that the surgery can have. As the ophthalmologist told CNN, half of all blindness in the world is people who need a 10-minute surgery. Wow. Unfortunately, though, many of the people who need the surgery can't can't afford it. And that's where Mr. Beast comes in. He and Levinson started by calling homeless shelters and free clinics to create a list of patients in Jacksonville who needed the surgery but could not afford it. Eventually, they had a group of 40 patients, and Levinson performed all of their surgeries in a single day, starting at 7 a.m. and ending at 6 p.m. And they are going to keep going until they rescue 1,000 people from blindness. 
just wonderful. I know those 1,000 people will be smiling with a new light after receiving their treatments. And I hope this story was something to make you smile as well. Anyway, that's our show for today. Thanks for kicking off the week with us. And I'll chat with you all again tomorrow on People Every Day. 